What's up, y'all? Episode 10, Adorn Podcast. Today, I'm so excited. We're doing another interview. We have Morgan May with us. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. (laughs) Hey Morgan, welcome to the Adorn Podcast. We're so glad you're here today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This is the coolest thing that I have done today. This is awesome. Probably ever, actually. (laughs) Today. Oh. I thought you were gonna say like all year. No, I think this is like ever the coolest thing (laughs) I've ever done. This is the coolest thing. Wow, we're cool. Y'all are awesome. Y'all are so awesome. Okay, so Morgan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh man. Um, I'm twenty two years old. I just graduated. Okay, well, I've lived in the Austin area kind of my entire life in the Round Rock, Austin area. And I grew up actually in the church at the Fellowship Church that has campuses in Round Rock in Austin. And uh, I graduated in, wait, say that again. Oh, wait, Round Rock in (laughs) (laughs) I'm already messing up. No, this is perfect. <laughs> I took my shoes off and I realized my feet the smell really bad. The Fellowship Church. That, <laughs> put those back on. The Fellowship Church that has campuses in Round Rock and also Haddo. Um, <laughs> I graduated from Texas Tech in December with a degree in dance education. And right now I'm actually in the middle of a job transition. So I just finished up a long-term substitute teaching job in dance at Westwood High School in Austin. And then on Sunday, this coming Sunday, which is April 15th, I think, I actually come on as the new communications director um, at the fellowship. Woohoo! Yeah. So that's Yay. really exciting <laughs> and totally different. And it's just funny because my, my degree is not in communications. Mm-hmm. So to those who say, the Lord has not called me or equipped me to do this thing that you're asking me to do, I say, I was a dance major and I'm doing communications <laughs> and I have no idea how that's all going to well, go. Well, maybe you're going to huh? dance on stage. Yes. Oh. I mean, have you talked to Jonathan about I that? I have. I actually, I feel like we need to do a dance battle on stage yes. and I would win and that would be a really good use Were of my degree. Were you more? I was. Did you yeah. see I won? I you, didn't win. You did. <laughs> you did like the, the lip syncing battle and you killed it. I have never seen. I got that. a free Bose speaker. You did. So I think, and I then won. you get to dance more with your Bose speaker. There you go. Exactly. That's awesome. <laughs> but like on a more on a more fun level, um, I just love I love things like this. I love conversations and friendships, and I get a lot of life out of that. And I have a really awesome family: my mom and dad, and my sisters, Kristen and Amanda. Who, if I I said this like to lots of people, but if I had to choose two people to come with me on a deserted island I would pick my sisters for some reason we just cannot get enough of each other like there are families who siblings who don't get along Mm -hmm. and then there are me and Kristen and Amanda and we just we can just roll on the floor laughing or hug it out I mean we're just we love we love Uh, each other as a mama of three girls that just makes me so happy it's so so fun for the future so it's It's so fun that's a gift it is such a gift it's a huge gift and we we we're very different so it's helpful like you know me and Amanda love to borrow clothes and Mm -hmm. Kristen hates it when we borrow clothes and (laughs) you know like some of us are more extroverted and some are introverted Uh and you know I'm one of three girls so I can relate to the clothes situation (laughs) the clothes is like a huge deal you know and I'm just not like a very materialistic person like some people are and so I am like willing to, to your I, sister. I, 
I'm willing to just share and, you know, everybody can borrow. But for some reason, they think that when I get a hold of clothes, I just don't treat them with the same kind of quality that they treat their own, which is fair. But, I mean, you can't take clothes to heaven, so there's that. Oh, boom. (laughs) She's going to hear that, and she's going to be so angry. That is funny. Yeah. So So I think that's pretty much, yeah. Yeah, awesome. So we like to kind of, we like the quirks, okay? We like the random information. So can you give us three random facts about yourself? Yes. Yeah. These are ones that I have used at, like, icebreaker party kind of situation. So you're going to, yeah, you're going to like these, I think. The first one is that I read all of my books, articles, newspapers, everything that I read, I have to read it out loud. Like, (laughs) when we're in church and I'm listening to a message, as we're reading the scripture alongside whoever's uh-huh. giving the message, I have to read it out loud under my breath. <laughs> you know, like I'll be whispering it. That's totally fine. I'm not going to overpower the pastor or who's preaching, but I really do have to read it out loud. And when I'm at home and I'm reading like a history textbook, like when I was in college and uh-huh. I would read, you know, a history textbook or, you know, science or whatever, something boring for college. When I would read it, if I would get bored, I would pick up like a British accent <laughs> or like an Irish one, you know, and then start reading it like that because it just made it more exciting. <laughs> Which, of course, if you're my roommate walking by my room, you're like, why is she? I was just going to say, what was your roommate? She just changed personalities. And it makes me think of the Friends episode where Ross takes on the British accent. Yes, yes. We just watched it the other night and I was rolling. Yes, yes. And I've been in situations where I've been like reading a novel or something and I've been in a a British Morgan kind of phase. And then I'll leave my room and then have to like, oh, I'm really not British. I need to like, (laughs) which sounds Oh, dumb. But yeah, that's a real thing. I think I can relate to that because my husband does that all the time. Yeah. And he does it on calls. So he's paramedic. <laughs> so he'll go and his his partner will be like, this is my partner, Taylor. He's from South Africa. And so they oh, have no. to hold an accent the whole time. That's hilarious. I didn't know that. That's so funny. That's so funny. This is so back in funny. California. His new partner doesn't do, do that. Either. I don't know. That's really funny. You're not the only one. Okay, yeah, that makes me feel better. I felt a little weird after I said it. I was like, maybe I might get judged for that, but it's okay. That's good. Hey, no judgment here. This is a judgment-free zone. Yes, yes, it is. Okay, so tell us another quirk. Um, There is a children's book that is written about me. It's called Quit Waking Us Up. We're trying to sleep. And it's about the night before my sister Kristen and I turned like seven, I think. And we're having this big party the next day. And so we're trying to sleep, but all of our party guests are coming in and they're waking us up with all these different problems <laughs> before we actually get up for our party. And my aunt Scarlett Honeycutt, she wrote this book about us and for us, and it got published. <sighs> and you can buy it on Amazon for $5, which I know is a little bit steep, but I think <laughs> y'all can all, I think y'all can that all purchase awesome. that. It kind of is like claim to fame, you know? I was gonna say like, I know famous. you've seen me on Amazon for my $5 children's book that it's about Is there me. a picture of you? Um, I'm actually illustrated as a ginger. I have red hair. And I don't have red hair. Like right now I have brown and blonde hair. And I usually have some kind of shade of dark brown, maybe blackish. You know, that's a usual color for me. But yeah, I'm a straight up redhead in this story, which is funny, you know? Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Okay. And this, this last one that I have is pretty good. And this is actually probably, you know, I still have really, I'm known for having really crazy 
children name ideas. Like I want to name my kids things that are yes. epic and unique and all of that. But when I was a little bit younger, I wanted to have upwards of like 11 kids. And some of those names included things like breakfast, lunch, dinner, <laughs> like naming my kids. I guess my favorite pastime, which was eating, you know, like naming them breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then like iridesa, something totally random just to like spice it up and give it some, like give it some fun flavor. Spice it up. Yeah. You said you were a little bit younger. Can you clarify that? Like, um, like maybe like 13, 14, okay. you know? <laughs> and now I've grown, I've grown in that. Like I'll, I'll think of something like really creative to have as my children, like my child's name, like rock or brick or something. <laughs> you really have grown. I'm impressed. You know? So they're less, they're less like food items or more just building nature items and construction <laughs> and industrial kind of names. <laughs> You're going to have some strong kids, Morgan. My <laughs> friends and family always tell me, why are you doing that? Like, why would you do that to your child? They, I mean, they, they tell me no. I'll think of, like, a new fun name a idea. A new fun name, like Pebble. Pebble. Stick. You know, yeah, yeah, Boulder. And they're just like, nope, <laughs> nope, that's not going to happen. <laughs> we will not let you name your child that. that Y'all need so to hold me accountable funny. to that whenever I actually have a child. I'll probably pick something like, you know, something Bob. Normal. Bob. Yeah. Fred. Yeah, Fred. <laughs> George. Like something really simple, which I love, but that's just never what I thought I would do. That so. is so funny. <laughs> that is so funny. All right. Well, okay. this has been fun. We'll rain it out. We'll rain it in a I little like, bit. Yeah. <laughs> Get to the gospel part. Get to the gospel. There's so much random. Oh, my goodness. It's awesome. Okay, hmm. Morgan, tell us um, a little bit about your heartbeat and passion in the church. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I... I grew up in the church. This is where I found Jesus. Um, this is where I came to know him as my personal, intimate Lord and Savior and um, learned how to walk with him and walk beside him. And so I would say that I'm a huge fan of the church. Mm-hmm. And a couple things I think that I'm, you know, as you grow older and you see different ways that the church is broken and the church, you know, needs to, to find healing in certain areas. And then you take on some of those passions for yourself. And that's mm-hmm. a, I mean, even that concept in and of itself is something that I'm a huge proponent for. Like if you are a member of the body, then it's your responsibility to propel the church forward mm-hmm. and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And if you see something that you're like, man, I could do that really well, or I could, I could improve upon the way that the church is doing this in this way, then tackle that. Like that mm-hmm. is yours. The Holy spirit is then giving you that nudge to go forward and do yeah. that. And if God's saying yes, then tackle it. And so, you know, like a couple things specifically that I'm passionate about are first that the church would be a place where you're welcome home, mm-hmm. Every, everything, everything in, from your past, whatever current situation that you're walking in, um, you know, all the shame, all the guilt, all the everything. When you walk into the church doors, you have a body and a family that is welcoming you home with mm-hmm. open arms, right? Mm-hmm. Just like God does for us. The story of the prodigal son, you know, like the father welcomes his son home with loving and open arms. And it's our responsibility as the church, his expression of himself on the earth to be people who welcome home others with arms wide open. So that's, I mean, that's a huge passion that I have, you know, for the world, for the church, And then I think the other one of that that would be, you know, pretty important, I think, and maybe this is because I'm young and because I'm a female, but I really do believe that the blood of Jesus is what qualifies you to Mm -hmm. be a minister of the gospel, like to be somebody who who shares the word of God. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so, you know, to those who, I think we live in a society that sometimes tells us that you have to have this many years of experience, this many years of marriage, this many kids under your belt, mm-hmm. or, you know, you have to be 
a man or, you know, have this certain degree in order to do something, right? And mm-hmm. it's like in the grand scheme of the gospel and in the church life, that's definitely not the case. His blood is what qualifies us to do anything. And each one, according to scripture, each one has something to contribute to that movement. Mm-hmm. So no matter your age, like I'm 22, I'm not married, I have no kids, right? That you know, according to the world does not qualify me to do much in terms of, you know, ministering to women. Mm -hmm. But then why do I still feel a nudge from the Holy Spirit to minister to women, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's something that is absolutely part of what God's saying to do. So do it because his blood is the only thing, you know? It's great. Makes me think of that verse. um, It says, don't let them, you know, I'm going to screw it up. I can't quote anything (laughs) for the life of me. Like, don't let them think less of you because you're young. Because you're young. Yeah. 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 Don't let them despise you for your youth. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Good. That's beautiful. And I love the idea of welcome home. Like I now I want that to be a banner. I know. Like on our church. <laughs> yeah. Like welcome home because that's the feeling you should get. The it feeling is. you get shouldn't be, oh, is somebody looking at me? Oh, do they right. see my sin? Do they see my shame? The feeling should be, ah, like a, a breath of fresh air. Right. Like, oh, I'm welcome. Yes. I'm home. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's beautiful. Okay, so the real reason we have you here, <laughs> besides learning all the fun stuff about you, which has been fun. Yes, yeah. it has. Um, is to talk about the gospel. So can you kind of just give us your definition of the gospel? Mm, yeah, absolutely. So the way that it makes the most sense to me and also the way that I think it personally connects to me the most mm-hmm. is that I have a God that chooses me mm-hmm. and chooses me very consistently, even though my first choice is not always him. Mm. You know, in the beginning there was there was God and he loved us enough that he created us and he created us in his image and he created us so that he could have fellowship with us and he's a holy and righteous God and he can't be in the presence of sin. And so in the very beginning, when the first representatives of the human life chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when God had specifically asked them not to, that is the beginning of, you know, when sin was born. Mm -hmm. And then because of that, you know, man, we had a separation from God that was present because he is holy and righteous and just, and it's against his nature to be near sin. But he loved us enough and his plan was to be with us and have fellowship with us. And he, he cared enough that he developed a backup plan, you know, through his son, Jesus. And he sent his one and only son, Jesus down to earth to live this perfect life and die the death that you and I and and everybody deserved. And he did this so that eventually through his death and resurrection, he would take on all of our grossness and all of our yuck, all the sin, all the death upon himself. And we would be free of that, you know, through, through his death and resurrection on the cross, I am now free from the shackles and the chains of all the sin and death in which I once, in which I once walked. And now I get to walk with him in life and he pours life out and love out on me abundantly and I get to spend an eternity with him and I think it's really simply put into those words he chooses us and he loves us and even when I don't choose him he still chooses me every single time so it's beautiful yeah it's good and we're done he's beautiful he's good Wow, that was really good. And honestly, that's why we both thought to have you on this podcast was because we heard you at, um, I don't know if we told you this or not, but at the Nativity. Oh. Back in December. <laughs> right, So right. Morgan's family for years, how many years? I think over 
12 years now. Like 12 like, years. That was the 12th. Yeah. I've been doing a live nativity at Christmas and um, this year and probably for the last few years, I don't know, but this year Morgan presented the gospel and we were both there with our kids, Aaron and I were, and we were just blown away wow. by the way you <laughs> presented the gospel mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so clearly and so passionately. And so wow. now all of our listeners have gotten to experience <laughs> Whoa, that Oh, God too. is so good. So That's I awesome. I love it. I absolutely love it. That's um, awesome. Love your heart and your passion. Hmm. It's just amazing. Okay, so what or who has had the biggest impact on your understanding of the gospel? Yeah. So I, before Jesus, before I really understood intimately his love for me and and had a relationship with him, I was a child and young adult who struggled pretty severely with clinical anxiety. It uh, ruled everything about my existence. I remember having to come home from school pretty much every day always have to eat lunch in the nurse's office. Um, it's, it, it affected everything. It affected friendships and relationships. It affected things with my family and the way that I interact with my parents and my siblings. It was incredibly crippling. And I would describe it as kind of um, like a fog mm-hmm. that comes over the mind. But in my specific my specific case, it is something having to do with the chemicals in my body where, you know, if something triggers and there's not one specific trigger, but if something does trigger the chemicals to, you know, go out of whack or go crazy, it's, it's just like severe panic ensues and you feel like, you know, you can't breathe and Mm -hmm. throat's closing up. And, you know, that was something that was happening to me on a pretty frequent basis, upwards of four or five times a day, which, you know, kept me from doing everything mm-hmm. and this is for a very long time mm-hmm. and um I would say too that my parents and my family were great with all of this I mean this is something that I was really loved on throughout throughout the whole thing and 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 what I struggled the most with like my obsession I would say was with my health so to this day I'm, I'm terrified of throwing up which sounds so silly but if I have to throw up I get in you mm. know like I mean it's 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 not okay. You know, mm-hmm. I, I panic. I mean, I'm getting freaked out talking about it even right now. Mm-hmm. Right. But anything having to do with health, I couldn't get my brain around that. You know, that was something that I definitely had no trust with no faith. And I was getting to a point in life where I saw zero hope. You know, I was always depressed, always anxious, always ex- incredibly panicky. And it was like, I was trapped inside my mind. And at this point in time, you know, if I went to a doctor and said these things, I just didn't think that I would be heard or mm-hmm. that anyone would understand. Mm-hmm. So all that to say, this is all happening. And my freshman year of high school, around when all this was happening, my great grandmother, her name was Mildred Kuhn, and she was diagnosed with ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease. This is my mom's mom's mom. Mm -hmm. And I was really close to her. She was in really good health. And so she knew all of her great great grandkids really well. Mm -hmm. And we were really close. And she knew Jesus. I knew that she knew Jesus, but didn't really understand that. And then she got diagnosed with this disease. And it essentially what it does is it shuts down your major organs. Mm. And it's completely fatal. There's no cure for it. Um, and it's really ugly to watch somebody go through that. And all of a sudden, at the same time, she was hit with all of these things that sent me into panic. I mean, mm-hmm. the, watching her situation in my state of anxiousness and in all the things that I obsessed over, watching what she went through was exactly what I could not imagine ever being mm-hmm. able to deal with. Mm-hmm. But not only did she go through it and she dealt with it, but she did it with this incredible hope and ease and peace in a God who loved her and was still Lord over all things, even in the midst of what I would consider to be the worst thing to ever happen to anyone ever. Mm-hmm. 
And the Holy Spirit broke down a lot of my heart walls through her experience and used her mouth, the way that she spoke, the way that she rested peacefully and easily in him to grab hold of my heart and pull me closer into himself. Mm -hmm. And I firmly 100% believe that if she hadn't gone through what she did, I wouldn't know the Lord today Mm -hmm. because it was exactly what I needed Mm -hmm. to be able to recognize that he is hope and that even what I'm going through, this, you know, mental prison that I felt like I was in and sometimes still feel like I'm in, he is the only hope and the only healing for that Mm. ever. He will always be that, you know, Mm -hmm. if, if it's not him, it's nothing. And so that was kind of, she, you know, she had a huge impact on my understanding of the gospel because she, she explained hope to me. Yeah. She lived out what she was She lived out hope. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I had never seen that before. It's shocking to me. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What a legacy. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that with us. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. But it's so good. Mm -hmm. You know? It's good. I still get like I'm sweaty talking about it, you know, because it's hard. Yeah, it's yeah, so it's hard, hard to talk hard about. Stuff. Yeah. 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 But there's so much joy that comes from experiences like that mm-hmm. because the fact that I, you know, I don't regret or take back or wish away any of the panic attacks because every single time that that happened, it was bringing me a step closer to understanding that I was totally dependent upon mm-hmm. a God who really mm-hmm. did love me so mm-hmm. much. It's a big part of the gospel. It's a mm-hmm. huge part of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. How much we need a savior. Yeah. yeah. And I would say that, you know, after that, um, when I, I guess, came to know the Lord fully in a really intimate way mm-hmm. after my freshman year of high school is when I started to feel a draw towards the church, which is mm-hmm. just funny how that happens. You know, you see believers all over the place who they come to know the Lord and then all of a sudden there's a draw to the church mm-hmm. and you wonder why it's exactly how God designed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but our youth pastors at the time at the fellowship, their names were Brandon and Jules Weir, and they're still at the fellowship. Brandon is the executive pastor at the fellowship now, but they were our student pastors and they kind of took me under their wing and they checked on me. They welcomed me into their house and they discipled me and ministered to me. They did this when I was, you know, a high schooler not following Jesus and it was really difficult. And then they did this when I was on fire for Jesus and, you know, I was being super faithful. They did it throughout all of the, the easiness and the hardness. Um, and this discipleship relationship that I had with them has spurred me on through college, through big life decisions, and now into the starts of my adulthood. And what I found in Brandon and Jules was a life that wasn't just lived in acknowledgement of the gospel, but a life that was 100% fueled and motivated by the gospel. Mm. Um, I saw them live this out in the way that they conducted their ministry, the way that they nurtured their marriage, the way that they raised their kids, and then opened their home. I mean, Jesus' love is the driving force for Mm -hmm. them as a couple. Mm. And that's really apparent in everything that they do. And I understand more about what it means to walk with God because I have known them. That's really cool. I think that kind of goes into what we've been talking about in the last couple episodes is that you can say the gospel or Hmm. you can show the gospel. Yeah. And just it's important to do both. Absolutely. You you can't just rely on showing the gospel, but you also need to say it. And you can't just say the gospel without then showing how to live it out. And that's really just cool to see how that's had an impact on you. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So so this kind of led you through – high school and into college. Hmm. And I know you went off to college. You said you went to Texas Tech, which is 
Wreck too em. far from here. <laughs> Lubbock Out is, in the middle of yeah. nowhere, a big dust bowl. <laughs> Lubbock is a big dust bowl. <laughs> we love you, Lubbock, if anybody's listening in Lubbock. <laughs> I am a Baylor bear, so. I love Lubbock. Yeah, no, it's good. It's so good. No, I hear that once you get into Lubbock, like my brother's from, he went to Tech, so. Yeah, um, yeah. But I hear that once you go, like, you don't want to leave. Like, yeah, it's weird. People fall in love with it. It's a weird Even phenomenon. though it is a big dust bowl, like, yeah. people fall in love oh, with it. Oh, it's the craziest so. place. It's like, you know, not the best living conditions, but the best people. <laughs> That's what I've heard. Ever meet. That's I kind of the heard thing. That. Yeah. 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 So anyway, when you went off to the big dust bowl, <laughs> <laughs> tell us about how the gospel kind of played into your college experience. And as you're um, experiencing things on your own for the first time and meeting new people, and yeah. I'm sure your faith was probably challenged a little bit during that time. Absolutely. So especially why don't you share it. a little bit of that <laughs> with us? Yeah. yeah. I have really awesome parents that have raised me up to know the Lord, love the Lord, prioritize the Lord and his church. And so, you know, getting separated from them was Mm -hmm. difficult because Mm -hmm. I'm a mama's girl and a daddy's girl. Like I have no (laughs) preference. I love my parents and I will, if I could live with them forever, I would. I'm not going to do that because that'd be so weird. Um, But it's okay, David and Christy, we won't let her do that. (laughs) They're like, oh, thank God, get her out of my house. Um, But yeah, so going to college was really scary. And again, there's the whole anxiety component to that too, which makes it, you know, Mm -hmm. stressful and crazy and scary. But up until this point, my parents had had equal ownership over that faith that I had, you know, Mm -hmm. they had been just just as much a part of me owning that as I had been. And so then you take into account moving six hours away and going to a school where I didn't know anybody except my best friend that had come with me from home, Hannah Machoni, she had come with me and we had each other, but then again, you know, didn't know anybody else. And so college was the time where you kind of make the decisions, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I can sleep in in my dorm room on Sunday mornings, or I can get up and go find community that knows Jesus, you know, yeah. or on my Thursday nights, for me, it was Thursdays, I could go out and do all the things that the college kids are doing, or I could find, you know, life-giving, eternally valuable mm-hmm friendships and meetings with people who could like build me up Mm -hmm. and spur me on and make me love the Lord more. And I would say that quite honestly, freshman year was not my favorite year that I ever had because I think that, you know, going to college is kind of crazy and there's lots of new things that are Mm -hmm. introduced to you. And I would say that I didn't say no to all the things that I would, that I was introduced to. Mm -hmm. And that was my experience. And then my sophomore year, there was an on-campus organization or on-campus ministry, I would say, that kind of, you know, took me in mm-hmm. and and wrapped me up and brought me home. Mm-hmm. And they cared for me throughout all of college. I would say that I was over at all of their houses eating all of their food <laughs> and doing my laundry in all of their washing machines <laughs> and fellowshipping and reading the Bible mm-hmm. and worshiping and having really good conversations. And, and that was something that it became so life-giving so much fun it was something that I was drawn to and it drew me away from all the other stuff that mm-hmm. was a possibility in college and I mean I was a Chi Omega which I am so thankful for that blessing but you know being Chi Omega too I mean there was being a part of the Greek life system in general there's lots of possibilities in college mm-hmm. but I found that when being really really plugged into a life source through a ministry mm-hmm. and then also finding your life source in whatever organization you're in, which I did in Chi Omega, then you're able to be there, enjoy college, 
love on people, even if they're people that aren't doing the same things that you're doing, while all at the same time being really, really rooted and invested in mm-hmm. what God is doing with your time in college. And I loved it. Yeah. I loved college. So I think much. a big thing we can take away from what you're saying is no matter what season of life you're in, it's so important to be connected mm-hmm. because it helps mm-hmm. you keep the gospel in your mind when you're not keeping the gospel in your mm-hmm. mind. Yes. So mm-hmm. if you're losing focus on it, if you're, you know, too self-focused or you're too serving focused or you're too whatever it may be, having something to remind you of the gospel when you're doing well or when you're failing absolutely um, is just so crucial to our right. walk yeah uh, and it was the way that the church was designed mm-hmm. the early church oh, absolutely. right i mean yeah. jesus had his people and mm-hmm. he was walking around with his people his yeah. disciples mm-hmm. his yeah. 12 guys you know mm-hmm. he wasn't he was god in the flesh and he wasn't walking around by himself right yes he took time to be with god by himself but yeah. he had his people his entourage who was mm-hmm. with him i mean they were who he gathered life from right you know? yeah and fellowship and then you go out and then you do the things that you need to do right yeah. and that's that's exactly what you just said and that was the way the church was designed yeah so how would you say that the gospel changes your everyday life yeah so i think you know everyday life when I was talking about anxiety earlier that's you know it's it's definitely not something that I once dealt with and then have now you know now I have no struggle with that the anxiety thing that I deal with is something that I wake up every single day with and have to hit my knees and ask the Lord for you know relief and and comfort and you know even like when when it comes to day by day living I think that that's all I can actually wrap my brain around mm. honestly for, for some for some periods of life and when it comes to the gospel I mentioned earlier that there's this this hope that was present in what I saw in the gospel initially mm-hmm. and that was something that I saw initially but then ever since ever since knowing the Lord and growing deeper with him that hope has been something that's been magnified mm-hmm. and it's changed and it's you know it's it's been, it's been hope that has fit different situations in different seasons and it's been incredible to live in that way but I would say that when it comes to living as a woman who really struggles with her brain with her thoughts with stress and and panic the gospel changes living every day because quite honestly every single thing that I can come up against or every single thought that leads to panic or every single time that I feel sick or have convinced myself that I have a brain tumor Mm -hmm the blood of Jesus that has covered all sin and all death. When you look at whatever that struggle is compared to the blood of Jesus, it Mm -hmm. doesn't even hold any kind of weight compared to it. His Mm -hmm. blood actually does cover every single thing. And there is an extreme hope in that an extreme healing in that, that when I walk day by day, the gospel changes everything in that way. Mm -hmm. When you look at it as the blood of Jesus is for everyone and it's with me consistently and it's constantly being applied to me. Mm -hmm. Like his blood is constantly being painted on all of the stuff that I'll do wrong Mm -hmm. and all of the ways that I experience real fear, fear Mm -hmm. that makes me feel like a bad Christian. Like you said that earlier, fear that makes me feel like I'm a bad Christian. I don't have enough faith. I don't trust God enough. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of that stuff, all of those thoughts and confusions, throw that in a a big pile and then plug, throw that in a big pile and then pour (laughs) Jesus's blood all over that. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that's, that's as, as simple and hard as it is. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and you know, I say, I say all of that 
And I think it's also important to say too, that like when it was, when it was in God's timing and in his leading, it wasn't just a situation where I was really anxious, stuck in that. And God just wanted me to kind of sit in suffering with Mm -hmm. that. That wasn't my experience at all. I was in my junior year of college, maybe senior year when I felt like the Lord's nudging was very much saying when he was saying like, go, go to the doctor and ask a doctor. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've been medicated, you know, on anxiety medication now for about a year and a half and it's made a huge difference and it helps me to, you know, rationalize and, and see God more clearly than, you know, I ever thought was possible in my, in my, my, you know, before condition and all of that. But it's definitely been something that has been a a consistent struggle every day. And the Lord has provided a lot of healing and a lot of resources to be able Mm -hmm. to cope with that. Mm -hmm. But his gospel is what provides any kind of hope for a future, Mm -hmm. any kind of hope for an eternity that will eventually be spent without any of the suffering, Mm -hmm. without any of the pain, Mm -hmm. without any of the fear or the entrapment. I mean, he has freedom, right? And that's all I ever want. Yeah. It's all I ever wanted as a kid was to feel free. Yeah. And I still, I don't feel that currently. I mean, I I feel free because, you know, he saved me. Mm -hmm. And I know that eventually I won't experience this on the earth. Mm -hmm. And so I feel free because of that. But I also have this hope of knowing that I am going to experience real freedom from Mm -hmm. the physical ailment of my panic disorder. And Mm -hmm. that will come, right? So it, it changes the outlook of that, I guess. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, we were actually talking before we started recording this, and um, anxiety is something that I've struggled with for years and years and years as well. And I also recently, hmm. finally, got professional help and um, was put on medication as well. And that's hard to say. I mean, we've got Absolutely. who knows who all listening to this. But I think it's important to know that um, – the Lord can use other things to help because for so long, like Morgan said, I felt like a bad Christian right. because I couldn't get it under control just through prayer right. or just through believing God. I, my my faith must not be big enough because I'm still struggling with Absolutely. this anxiety. Um, but the Lord provided professionals to help yeah. counselors um, and people who are gifted in creating mm-hmm, medicine exactly. that can help. Exactly. I mean, that's crazy. And mm-hmm. like Morgan said, like now I'm able to clearly see the gospel and focus on God and his word and um, how I am to best glorify him, you know, fulfill his purpose for my life. Whereas before I just was in that fog um, of not being able to focus on anything else. And so um, I guess we would, all three of us would encourage you because Aaron has been there right by my side this whole time when I had struggles. And we would encourage you that if you're struggling with any of this at all, like anxiety, panic, any sort of mental health, um, problems, illnesses, then please seek a professional, you know, even reach out to us if you want and we'll help guide you in the way that, um, you can possibly get help because it's, it's a real thing. And, um, you're not a bad Christian if this is something (laughs) you struggle with. No, absolutely not. And I think, I mean, just talking with you, both of you earlier, you know, before we even started recording, I mean, I think we're all kind of passionate about getting this stigma of mental illness to be something that is long gone and done away with. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, me having, you know, an illness that you can't see, a chemical imbalance in my body that you can't see is just the same kind of ailment as it would be if I had broken my foot and and, and couldn't walk, right? I mean, there's right. there's medication and there's healing that the Lord absolutely provides resources that you can tap into. And, and I'm a huge, big believer in that, you know, mm-hmm. and that's hard to, I think, swallow as a Christian sometimes, but 
we live in a world where God can do anything. And I think yeah. he absolutely can do anything. And he's provided this specific thing mm-hmm. for me that yeah. is helping. Exactly. So, Exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your yeah. story. Yeah. Thank you. It went a little bit a different place, I think, than we had originally it. expected. I love it. But that's that's what it. this is about. I love mm-hmm. it. Um, so we're all women in this room, and most mm-hmm. of the people that listen to our podcast are women. So why mm-hmm. is understanding the gospel specifically important for women? Yeah. Well, let me let me start by saying that we are creatures that are designed to crave love. It's exactly how God created us. He is a loving God. And the way that we are designed as people is that we crave his love. Mm -hmm. And we seek that, you know, we seek satisfaction to that craving in all different kinds of things. Mistaken, mistakenly, mistakenly, mistakenly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really not like a vocab student, but mistakenly, (laughs) that's sure. That's fine. (laughs) Um, Whatever But we crave, we crave love. We crave Mm -hmm. acceptance and security, satisfaction, peace, and so much more, which is just funny because these are all things that God God mm-hmm. provides for us, right? Mm-hmm. When we seek that from him. Um, but God is the ultimate fulfiller of all of these needs, which is not necessarily that huge shocker, right? When you consider the fact that he is our ultimate counterpart, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if right. he's our counterpart, then all the different, you know, jagged angles of our puzzle piece that, you know, needs a completion part, that's mm-hmm. him, right? So, of course, he's the fulfiller of all of those needs. Um, but understanding the gospel is understanding your purpose. And as women... I, you know, specifically we have a charge in carrying this gospel to the very ends of the earth, utilizing the giftings that only women have. Mm -hmm. And also we are created in the image of God and every good attribute that we possess is an attribute that is modeled after the creator himself and understanding his gospel love for us in relationship to our love for others helps us to understand God's character more. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, we, I mean, I'm, I'm maternal by nature. Mm-hmm. I'm a nurturing person, even though my siblings tell me otherwise. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I mean, I like to think that I'm a nurturing <laughs> maternal person, right? I mean, we're created in God's image. The yeah. fact that I care about people that are close to me, mm-hmm. that is an attribute of God. Mm-hmm. I was made in his image. It's an attribute that he has, right? Mm-hmm. A husband, wife relationship. I, this is kind of derailing a little bit, but you know, I used to get really caught up in the fact that, you know, if I was I was single. Like, what if God did not have it in his plans for me to get married? Mm -hmm. Like, that terrified me. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, we were talking earlier, I'm super scared of commitment, but I still want to get married at some point, right? (laughs) As long as you're not too cheesy. As long as as he's not too cheesy. (laughs) I really do want to get married. That's a huge desire that I have, right? But it's, you know, he totally understands the different emotions that we have. Me, really worried about not finding a husband and God not providing that for me is just the same kind of emotion that God has because he is currently waiting for his bride, the church, for him to be reunited with his bride. I mean, so many different like mirroring and and reflections that we are, Mm -hmm. you know, as his children and as his image bearers. But all about to say for women specifically, there are attributes that we have that are like God that are different from men attributes Mm -hmm. right and you can you can spin that and shape it in whatever way you want to for whatever situation that you have but because he is a god who has commissioned us to take his gospel to the very ends of the earth there's a certain charge that we have as women Mm -hmm. to take that gospel to the ends of the earth using those specific gifts that we have yeah that are only for women if the women didn't understand the gospel like if it was just men if the gospel was just for men then the gospel wouldn't reach the ends of the earth. It's just not, that's yeah. not what it is, right? right. That's not the commission is it. for everybody, yeah. for every single person. 
every single person. Yeah. Yeah. So now that we kind of have a clear understanding of what the gospel is and your experience with it, how would you say it looks like for you to share the gospel in this season of your life? I think that making the transition from teenager to college student, young adult, into now kind of entering into the adult sphere of influence, it looks a lot different. I think that right now what it takes is a lot of asking the Lord for his discernment and wisdom and guidance in specific situations. And then also kind of fighting the convenience factor. Um, Like an actual real world example that I have is the other day I was traveling to work at Westwood and I was on like a pretty busy, a busy, busy street. I just come off the highway and I was at a stoplight and there was a homeless man who is standing on the, like the edge of the sidewalk. And, you know, I pass homeless people on the road, you know, when I'm, when I'm driving yeah. and, and that's something, you know, I, I give when I can and I provide food when I can, but it's never something that I'm, you know, always super convicted about. But for some reason, when I saw him, there was a nudge from the Holy Spirit. And I've been asking the Lord, you know, like if there is somebody that I have an interaction with or an intersection with, you know, provide the time, provide the way, and provide the words to be able to to minister your gospel. And I had been praying for it, and then there was a nudge. But not only was I already late for work, which I was, <laughs> um, but the light was had been red for a while and was about to turn green. It was just a totally inconvenient situation. I was in my car. I was mm-hmm. like, you know, not in the not in the mindset. You know, not in my not in my spirit at all. But I did feel like the Lord was saying, "Roll down the window, give what you can, and then express my love." for this person to this person. And so, um, I did that roll on the window. You know, people are probably pretty angry cause I delayed that green light a little bit, but was able to share with this, with this man that I had just met that God loved him and God wanted to see his story redeemed. Mm. And he gave me kind of an indicator that he had maybe once known Jesus or, or once had an awareness for God, but that might not be his current situation. And, you know, I'll, I don't know what the outcome of that story is. Mm. I won't know, you know, if he's, thriving right now in whatever situation he's in. I won't know that. Mm. Um, but it's situations like that in the adult world where you have to be so listening mm-hmm. and being, being aware that the spirit of God can prompt you at any given point in time. And that the convenience factor is not really a factor when it comes mm-hmm. to people's eternal salvation. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's what we talked about, like with, um, the woman at the well, we talked yeah. about that in last week's episode, like cool. that was not convenient for him no. and it wasn't culturally the norm. Right. So it's kind of the same situation. Like we need to model that just like Christ did. Yeah, absolutely. It's good. And it's so hard because there are going to be people in your life that don't understand, like mm-hmm. the people behind you at the lights that were like, Why right. aren't you moving the yeah. lights? Right. Clean? But there may be people even close to you mm-hmm. in your life that don't understand. And it's yeah. so hard sometimes to take that stance and to be like, no, this is what yeah. I know. And this is how I need to share the gospel. And yeah. so, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not hmm. always convenient. Not no. always easy as an adult. No. Welcome to the adult I world. I know. Morgan. I want to go back. <laughs> I don't like it here. <laughs> I don't like the adult I thing. I want to leave. <laughs> I want to stay but with mommy and daddy. I know. I know. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's funny. Oh, man. <laughs> so um, what is the biggest challenge when it comes to sharing the gospel? I would say definitely that I am an over planner. Mm. You know, like 
I have the words planned out. I have exactly what I want to say. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to ministering the gospel with people, I kind of have like a system, you know, Mm -hmm. this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to have this hangout first. It's so casual. And then I'm going to ease into like the spiritual conversations. (laughs) Then I'm going to slide in a verse like here really quick and an encouragement here. Yeah. I have like a formula almost. Right. Yeah. Um, but in most cases where I've been able to share the gospel with people, it is it doesn't play out like that at mm-hmm. all. It's definitely messy. God's word. It's very messy. It's yeah. God's word. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a lot of me not talking and a lot of me listening yeah. and a lot of me praying actually, mm-hmm. you know, simultaneously as they're talking. And I would say that my biggest challenge for one is to be somebody who is open and discerning of what God is saying. Mm-hmm. You know, if God like actually, if I'm, if I'm here having a conversation with you, Aaron, and you are not a believer, you know, me just rattling off my spiel without any reliance on the spirit is not God doing what he does. Right. Nothing about me is, is, is saving of people. That's him. Right. So instead I'm in the practice right now of being in a conversation with you and asking God, okay, when is the good time for a pause? When is a good time for, you know, a verse? Mm -hmm. When is the good time for, you know, an explanation? Right. Mm -hmm. Or when is the good time to listen and not speak? You know, is it is it time right now to say this or should I not say that? And mm-hmm. really heavily relying on the spirit to yeah. really lead and guide conversations, which I'm so not good at. Mm, and it's something that mm-hmm. I'm really trying to grow in. But that, I think, is what's the hardest, yeah. you know, is trying to figure out that really, you know, he since he is the one who actually does do the saving and the right. sacrificing, maybe he is probably better mm-hmm. at the explaining than you are too, yeah. you know, yeah. and that's just probably. totally beyond me, but <laughs> yeah. that is what's most hard right yeah. now. Yeah. I, I would, I would totally second mm-hmm. that and agree with yeah. that. Amen. Hard. Yielding to the spirit is tricky. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. You know, but the Lord, he likes to help with that. Yeah. You know, when you say, Hey, help me to yield to your spirit. Right. He's like, Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> he's not going to hide. I got you covered. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. That's good. That's absolutely. Good. Yeah. Hmm. So this has been so fun and super informative and we really appreciate you coming. I do. I feel like super encouraged yeah, right now to go I share. Do too. And hmm. I do too. Um, could you give us, uh, for anybody who's listening that kind of wants to just understand more about the gospel, could you give us a resource? You have a favorite? I do have a favorite resource and it is a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel by Brennan Manning. And if you have not read this book, you need to read this book because he very vividly in great pictures and and, in kind of you know he's sort of a storyteller by Mm -hmm. nature in the way that he writes Mm -hmm. but he paints really well the intimacy of relationship with Jesus and what exactly his gospel Mm -hmm. of dying on the cross rising again and doing it for you what that actually looks like you know Mm -hmm. what that kind of love means and I would read that book if you ever have the chance or the way I think you can get it like half price books for Mm -hmm. super super cheap or you know, I'll let you borrow mine, but (laughs) yeah, no, great book. And I recommend that for sure. All right. So just a plug for our next episode. We're really excited. We're doing something we've never done before. We're gonna do a round table discussion with um, just women in different seasons of their lives to talk about and recap about the series that we've done. So the gospel, theology and biblical literacy, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you come back for that. And then we always like to leave you with the verse. So today we're in Lamentations. 3, 22 through 24. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cobb.